time now. So let's play hockey. Welcome back to the Let's Play Hockey podcast. Say it with me. Let's play, play hockey. hockey. Oh, you jumped the gun there. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, we got Brian Zolman, Brian with a Y, Brian Bonin, and myself, John King. It is it's the season, gentlemen. The section playoffs, the state tournament coming up. The girls' state tournament just wrapped up. Holy buckets. How are you guys surviving? Have you been watching games? I know you got a kid playing, Bonin, but give me the lay of the land. What's the mood of the nation? Well, I just witnessed the girls' state tournament. We just had our Ms. Hockey Banquet yesterday, um, and the girls' state tournament was great. Um, it was great. You know, I, nobody thought War Road and Edina that this was their year. You know, they're always there, but this year, you know, their rosters were supposed to be a little bit down, and lo and behold, you know, they both come through and they win. Both of them won. So um, good tournament. Girls hockey is, is continues to get better. Uh, we had our Ms. Hockey banquet yesterday where we celebrated all the All-State players, honorable mention players, uh, goalie of the year, which we've named now after Jory Jones, um, the young lady who lost her life in a car accident. Um, so the Jory Jones Award went to Grace Zahn of Hill Murray. Uh, she had a phenomenal tournament. Anyone who watched the tournament uh, knows who she is now. And Ms. Hockey went to uh, Ayla Puppy from Northfield. And uh, I think she ended up with about 111 points, which uh, it's not easy to do. Um, great skater, uh, you know, good hands, going to be a gopher. And, uh, and she, you know, in a tough field, you know, there's Josie St. Martin from Stillwater, Lindsay Avar from Minnetonka, Ilsa Lindemann from Duluth Marshall. She scored 59 goals. And, uh, and Kate Kosabud from Moorhead, you know, and, and, there's 10, 15 girls there that, that really um, are going to go play college hockey and do some fun things. So uh, it was a fun season for the girls. They got a lot. Of, have a lot to be proud of. Uh, looking forward to next year. And um, How do you yeah. pick that award? What, how does it work? Is there like the academy of you know, 50 people voting? Is there a smoke-filled room with guys <laughs> talking about it? How do you, how do you pick it? We... Uh, we basically send out our candidate list to college coaches and a panel of high school coaches. So it's based on the opinion of several, not on the opinion of a few. Um, we think that's the most democratic way to do it. Um, and then we, you know, it's not a let's play hockey award where we choose or decide. It's a collective opinion, and we just facilitate the award based on that. We do the Reed Larson Award the same way. We'll give to the top high school blue liner. Uh, we'll be announcing th those finalists here later this week. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's good. You know, at the end, we celebrate Mr. Hockey. You won it, Brian. Um, it's great to celebrate, you know, the best hockey player, you know, in the state. Um, but really, the Ms. Hockey Banquet is about celebrating all those young ladies, you know, that are up for the award, the All-State Award, played in the tournament. Just caps off a, another fun year. Yeah, I, it was interesting. I was looking at the lineups for... So if you look at War Road, Edina, and Hill, if this is right, I think it is. I was rechecking it today. So you got five seniors on Hill, four seniors on Edina, five seniors on War Road. So a lot of these teams are loaded with sophomores and freshmen. You got Johnny Poles, got the ninth grader, this Lorelei Nelson on Edina with the highlight real goal in the championship. That was unbelievable. I think she deked out about seven people on the way to the net and is that a was that a upset you know because you were saying um you know it's funny hearing the Dyna student section chant overrated to hill murray that was kind of a strange moment on saturday night but the uh were there older teams that were loaded up and they kind of faltered in the tournament and and these these perennial powers that were maybe a little bit down this year won it or is that kind of standard these young kids you know, running the show in girls hockey. I think it's pretty standard, to be honest. Um, it's good to have a good mix, but it's a lot easier for an eighth grade girl to play high school hockey than it is for an eighth grade boy, for obvious reasons. Um, but you, you'll see a lot of young rosters in the state tournament. The biggest thing that I see that separates teams is if you have the ability to, to play three lines. If you're relying on one line, 
you're, you're just not going to get very far. If you're relying on one or two players, you're really not going to go very far. Um, when you can roll three lines, and it doesn't matter if they're eighth grade or they're senior, you can play system hockey. You can develop a system, and if they buy into that system, you can pretty much, you know, be in most games um, just from a system standpoint. Um, you got to have skill. Warroad, obviously, they're always loaded. Um, Edina's always got, you know, talented players. But, again, it's not just a couple high-end players. You know, their third line is pretty darn good, and I think that – in a tournament setting where you got to win three in a row, that's huge, you know. And you had in your notes that the coach of Warroad was asked about moving up. Now, is that three in a row for Warroad, right? They've won three championships in a row? Three in a row and uh, five overall for them. They didn't expect to win it this year. They really didn't. They, they, they basically said that. They lost ten seniors last year. You talk about older kids. They lost ten seniors. Nine of them are playing – college hockey um three of them had close to over 300 points collectively so they lost a ton of scoring ton of scoring there again you know it's kind of not a rebuild it's a reload type of program you know and you play a system and uh you got and you know you're in most games and you know they played better than anyone down the stretch now should they move up to double a um you know the coach layla martin said you know we she said, we like where we're at. And it's like, well, of course, you win in state championships, you know. Um, there are two A's in War Road. I just I want to, I mean, that, to me, that should help you. You know, W-A-R-R-O, and then there's a second A. That's how they the should, that's how they yeah, should do mean, it, it's really. Like the writing's on the wall. Yeah. It's yeah, only absolutely. a matter of time that you're going to have to make this move. Um, no, but they, uh, I, I got down there and, um, you know, it was, it's funny, my, my, my wife doesn't like Edina, right? Because when we were young, no one does. But uh, I'm from there, and we, we lived in my folks' house, right, when we had a kid when we were super young. And the ECFE moms were mean to her in Edina, and she just hated it. I mean, really has a deep hate for Edina. But when you're from White Bear Lake and then you get to play Hill Murray, um, that was kind of, it was like a kind of a, she had like a hall pass almost where I was like, she's wearing a green jacket. I'm like, are we doing this? Like, are you? And then it was, it was you'll love this. So, so, um, they win the game. I trade it. I got this cake hat. I traded it with some dad with a beard and, um, and this guy comes up, I went to high school with nice guy, but he, he just, he just, he's probably just excited. And he's like, you know, my daughter's won a state tournament at every level the whole way up every year or something. And he walks away. And so just when I got my wife, like, she's in. She's got the killer green coat. <laughs> He's still with an earshot, and she goes, see, that's the reason everybody hates people from Edina. <laughs> a guy like that, he comes up, he just won the state tournament. He's going to tell you. He's won one every step of the way. And I go, he's right behind us. He's gonna, and she goes, I don't even care. He should hear it. So I think I lost her all over again. But – I was pleased by the crowd. So when I saw Hill Marie die in a final, I'm like, oh, my God. There's going to be 800 people there. Uh, they're all going to be at Herbie's before and after. And But it was fun. I mean, there was a decent crowd. Um, it was just – it's great. It's it's just a fun tradition, and, uh, you know, it was good to see. Yeah. No, it was it was a good crowd. I think you're right. I'm a Hill Murray guy, so I, I know your pain – you know, Edina Payne, how people don't uh, necessarily, I mean, we played in the state finals in 91, and I think, you know, there's 17,000 people in the stands, and maybe 16,000 were rooting against us, you know, rooting for Duluth East, but, you know, that's just the way it, way it is. I mean, when you when you have traditionally strong winning programs, you know, people love to hate hate on that, which is fine. And this, this Sammy Reber, the Edina coach, I think she has a new last name now, but... Calgar. When she... When they beat Minnetonka, which talk about an emerging, this rivalry now with Edina and Minnetonka and Wyzetta throw them in there. I mean, they don't like each other, boys or girls. But when they beat Minnetonka, they just showed her on the bench. She's got these big white white shoes on, and she just goes, let's effing go. <laughs> and she's kind of walking down the bench. And I'm like, man. Um, I mean, because I remember when she was coming up, she's been there eight years now, uh, five titles and um but that wasn't always the case there weren't that many young women coaching girls hockey and 
it's pretty cool to see um, somebody that's as intense, just just a true badass coach, um, giving back to the program uh, where she never won it uh, when she was a player there. Yeah, one thing I'll say about Sammy is uh, ultra competitive, you know, very intense, also very grateful and very humble person, you know, and very, very, you know, just a, a great, they're very lucky to have her. She's uh, dialed. Hopefully she sticks around there for a long time. All right, we better bring Mr. Bonin in, unless he had a daughter recently. Um, I think uh, you have some stuff to say. I, you've been doing this beautiful mind analysis, which I quite enjoy, which is, I guess, the, the, the hypothesis as we're into our third podcast here is that we might have to do some things with the state tournament to even the playing field so that we get the most players playing for the most time and protect the game that we all love. But you've been seeing some things with the scoring in the early days of the section playoff. So, so break it down for us. What, what's going on? Well, I went back, and I've been feeling this for a while. That maybe, something's maybe the, changing. Yeah, right? maybe the, it's probably been a couple of years. Just some of the scores are, are just too big, too big a differential, uh, too many total goals. Uh, high end, you know, 15 nothings. I just don't remember uh, any of those scores as a kid, which really might not even be relevant to the conversation. But I think there's some perspective there to just to go, you know, we, we broke into two tiers for a reason. And I think it was to just provide some parity to the playoffs. And here we are now with potentially needing some more parity because we love this game. We love this game because kids want an opportunity to learn and know what they're working at, and learning is going to not only provide some, some benefit you know, someday as a young man or young woman, but also on the ice that you're going to accomplish something. And that's really hard to do when you're playing against teams that are just too far advanced. So it was funny. I just went back and I thought, I'm gonna, let me look at this first round of the sections this year. I, just, I saw some big scores. I wonder what, what those numbers are going to look like. So it's funny you say this because I went I thought, I hope this supports my my take on it. Yep. Um, but I'm not sure if it if it does or doesn't. Um, you, you seem to think uh, your response was, "Wow, this sounds a little bit." Well, drastic. I thought, yeah, huh? it, yeah. Walk them through it. I mean, it was it's it's there's some lopsided things. Yeah. So we have 55 games, and of those 55, uh, 36 of the games, the winner had six or more goals. So they might have won six two or 6-4, or 6-5. But 36 games, they, they got six goals. Um, if you go just by five goals or more, it's 44. So there's a lot of scoring going on. But then you break it down, you get into differential, and 28 games had six or more goals as the differential. That, that's just too many. That's not even close. And Over half of the section games... Somebody won by more than six or more goals. And that's probably with them pumping the brakes in the third period. Yeah, you, you were saying that, Brian, and I think that's, that, that's happening, always has happened. I think coaching-wise, there's a great respect. When games start to get a lot of control, you, you put your third and fourth lines out on power plays. Um, there's been some times where I've, I've not seen that, uh, which is always really disappointing, but for the most part, that happens. So... I would tell you that I think the differential is even greater than this in terms of what this, the score could be. Right. So, you know, as, I mean, we talked about this in the first, the first podcast, what, what is the goal here in Minnesota hockey? Because we're going to keep producing really good players. And actually, to move this to a three-tier, you're only going to produce better players at the top. You, you really are. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to force them to, to make really good plays, and you've got to play Minnetonka four times instead of once. Um, buckle up so i think this is really good for um for the game and i think it's just going to be a matter now of of how do we how do we figure out how many teams um so you've been playing with this a little bit in your head so how do, so when i i've mentioned this to some people like at the bar and stuff and they the natural tendency is to like recoil and be like well i'll tell you i would sell my season tickets back to the state tournament if you did that you know because it's, it's sacrilegious in some capacity. But really, if you think about it, would you rather sit on West 7th um, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Uh, or would you rather do 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think it could turn into Mardi Gras, hockey Mardi Gras. So from a fan standpoint, it's interesting. How would you do it? How do you – you're almost talking about resetting the field, re, you know, seating in real time, moving people around. Like what does this fundamentally look like? I know it's not real yet, but how would you do it in a way that you think it improves the situation? Yeah, there's some finer points that probably need to be tuned up here. But, um, you know, initially I think some people have thrown out, you know, what who are the top 64 teams? And I just don't think we have 64. So you're going to have to take a, a closer look at this. And um, in that same conversation, I've heard plenty of folks say it's a two-year cycle. Pretty easy to see who's going to be good or in general who's going to be good. But I still think you just you rank the top five teams in, in every section. And, I mean, you combine – all the teams in those sections. Um, I think this year there's a couple movements again in sections, so there doesn't seem to be really any rules that anybody's ever following. So throw them in. You got 16 teams, or you got 18 teams, or you got 20, and we're going to take the the top five um, uh, from from that and, and move them to the to the AAA. Or maybe it's top four. I think it it would be helpful to to give a little bit more room there again if the intention is to really split this into two three. Uh, to three levels. And I think you're going to get some good games. Um, so you're just talking about popping the top off. Take the yeah. best teams and move them up. And then that middle level, the double A, uh, finds just new new winners and you're not losing by six goals like you've just pointed out. And then really the, I guess maybe there would be movement across all three, but really you're trying to do kind of the, like football, you're trying to pop that top, those top teams upward. And how how big do you think AAA is? How many teams would be in AAA? Yeah, that's a that's a bit of a tough one. I mean, I I think you really you look at 32. You maybe go to 40 section football. You just play section hockey. You have eight sections, and you have four teams, or maybe five. Maybe it's third, or you know, like I said, 40, five teams in each section with the and yeah. I don't think once you get past that 32, like you say, 32 to 40 teams, it really kind of drops, you know, like yeah. the stats show it. Yeah, it, you it, know, it does. And I, again, maybe you have to keep uh, keep taking a look and adjusting because in the end, you're only going to send eight teams to state. I think I said last time, get rid of third place games, get rid of there's some stuff there that um, I've now just I, I remember experiencing it. Yeah, it was a thrill because you wanted to play three games at, uh, at the St. Paul Civic Center, but they're. They're not great games. No one's feeling it. It's our big downer. Um, you, you don't need it. Uh, and, again, I just experienced it in soccer this year. They split to three tiers, if that's what we're going to call them, and there's never been consolation games or third-place games. You just go and play, and you try to win it all. Mm-hmm. So I think there's um, – and then that's going to that's gonna move into the next, um, you know, topic of sorts for, for me is just coaching style and, like, again, trying to make players better. There's a – a meaning behind the madness. You don't have to set your season on, I don't know, uh, first half and second half because, well, we know who we're going to play, and there's maybe a chance, as we saw an upset this year with uh, Rozo's the two seed, and they and they lose to St. Cloud. But, I mean, they outshoot them, you know, four to one. Uh, it was not an enjoyable game. I, I've been in those games. It, you are not coming into that season trying to get better at hockey. The coaches aren't trying to, um, you know, instill, I think, both offense and defense. There's more of this, like, hey, make sure we got a high guy, and you know, dump that in. We could turn it over. But I mean, yeah, off the glass and out. Uh, who plays pond hockey and dumps it in? Nobody. The people who love hockey want to make plays, want a coach to tell them, hey, when it's a one against three, you might chip it around a guy, kind of dump it to yourself and wait for your teammate. Uh, when it's a three on two, make a play. You got to learn how to make a play, and uh, that's going to take the season to to figure that out. But that's what uh, you know the the coaching piece of this. Right now, I'm just seeing a lot of just too much defense. So I want to get into this because I'm very intrigued by this. So you're basically saying if with the current system and the imbalance, these coaches have already read the last page of the book. They've probably read that book for the last seven years in a row. And so if I'm coaching Park Cottage Grove or or whatever it is, I'm just thinking, okay, what we're going to do is – God, if we could just, you know, hang around and it's and it's a coin toss. We get into that overtime 
and you know and just muck it up muddy track which is really it's it's almost like when a business manages for the quarterly earnings instead yes. of just being a a healthy business that's built to last doing good things making good things and you're just saying right now with the imbalance you just got half the teams holding their breath when if if you could give it a little more parity just say hey let you know let's see how good we can be uh let's focus on offense and and go from there. I, I think that's interesting. Uh, and the truth is, I want I want to hear your take. So this team that beats Rozo, okay, St. Cloud, is that who it was? So they, uh, you had said something earlier, like, that doesn't really make their year. I mean, it does on paper, but it's it's not, you know, the shots were 50 to 10 or whatever. I, It's, it's an anomaly, right? It's, um, I remember White Bear stubbing their toe in the, first round of uh, sections before and stuff like that does happen. It's high school hockey. But you're saying it's a more positive experience if that team, everybody's at their level and, you know, you, you get better. Everyone gets better and you, you end up with the best outcome you could have possibly had. Yeah, I, I think it trickles into many different areas, um, some including you don't need to leave the school district or uh, city you grow up in to, to move around. Because I've heard from from some folks, uh, you just said it. Warroad likes where they're at in in uh, in girls hockey. I've heard it on the boys' side several times. That's not the intention. So um, you know, no disrespect there to to Marvin. I know her well, but I've heard that, and there's some truth to it. We on this team, we're a little unsure. Uh, Warroad, I bet you, is coaching to win games. They, they are not coaching to play defense. They're coaching to win games every year. That's why they stay good. I know Hermantown does that. I think that's what St. Thomas was doing for a really long time. I think that's what Monomedi does. And um, it's the, the, the intention here is to, to coach to get better for all these kids. And if you know you can make a state tournament on those three high schools, you're just going to keep going to those high schools. Uh, you don't need to leave because you've got a really good chance. So I think this opens it up to other schools and for other players to stay where they're at because we're going to still have some of the demographic continue to change. And so as that continues to change, let's keep these kids, um, you know, where they're at. If there's no opportunity, maybe they, they move around. But that's good for everybody because it opens up positions too. Right, um, right. But a position where you can where you can compete, where you actually see that. And we got to get rid of conferences too. I should have added that in the beginning. I was going to say right that. Right in the beginning, there's no Conference there's no hockey is, is that's counter- counterproductive. Gone. You know, there's no reason, you know, Hill Murray should be playing the the bottom team in, in that conference. It's just, it's not good for either team. You know, you talk about opportunity. I think we give every, you talk about like chipping a chair. Everyone just wants a chance, right? Well, we're kind of giving everyone a chair, but they don't really have many chips to play with, you know, some. So it, how do we make it so a Mounds View, a Park Cottage Grove, you know, Coon Rapids has a really good team this year. You know, gosh, they should be playing for something, you know. Um you know those schools and then we have in section two we got our top four teams in our rankings are going to play each other in the section finals two teams are going to sit at home no one's going to be able to watch them on tv you know play each other which is a shame because there's some of the best hockey players in the state you know the four best teams in the state two of them are going to you know be not going to make it to the state tournament so changing the the structure like you talk about brian i think allows maybe those top teams to be spread out a little bit where now you do end up with the eight best teams in St. Paul playing for the state championship, and that should be what we want, I would think. Yeah, and style, if you think of style of, of play, if you're over on the west side right now, um, I mean, this season, if you're in Shakopee, uh, Eden Prairie, probably Benil, Dedina, and Wyzette are all thinking this. Um, I would I'd probably even say this with Maple Grove for the last couple of years and, and Rogers, these areas where you're just, you got big, associations lots of good kids you know what you have to go to get through and so a certain style of play bodes itself to higher winning percentages over there so i'm not sure we're trying to produce the players we should be i think tonka's doing it i think tonka's doing it we'll see if they can dial it back and play good defense Um, sometimes high skill just helps you with good defense but for the most part a lot of the other teams it's really structured and um 
I'm not sure that's good for, for overall long-term development. And it, it certainly isn't if you know your team is not going to be very good in high school, and yet you just have no chance. It starts making people think and do weird things. So instead, let's give them an opportunity. I'm going to do a couple ad reads here, um, and then we'll get into it. But I do think we're going to look back. It's It takes so long for anything to change. You'll be able to, like, find these, like, podcasts as, like, a time capsule. <laughs> like, remember when it was a radical idea to, to do this? So it'll be funny to see where it actually goes. Uh, the Let's Play Hockey Pod is sponsored by Custom One. There's houses, and then there's Custom One. These guys make the jaw-dropping, show-stopping homes you'll see on the Parade of Homes. Happening soon in the Artisan Home Tour. Grand living space is built around the life you want to live. They've been doing it for 40 years. They're the ideal choice for home building, exteriors, renovations, and landscaping. Visit CustomOneHomesMN.com. We're also sitting here in the Cub Content Studio. Cub loves Minnesota. They love Minnesota sports. They're on the Homer Hankey, PJ Flex headset, the Wild on 7th podcast they are dialed in uh they deliver on cub.com some of them have liquor stores so if you're looking for a pale ale or a thc soda they can do that too uh, fresh ingredients great milk check out cub they're local they're one of us and they're awesome all right so next topic uh you know let's talk about state tournament where it's going right now so i think people are genuinely bummed out that rozo's out you know, losing the that team is kind of a a bummer. We had uh, Edina in a nail biter against uh, Benilde um, squeak through. So you're starting to see these. You know, we're trending towards. We'll see what happens with White Bear, Stillwater, and and Hill Murray in that storied rivalry. We're going to get Wyzetta and Edina at uh, at Bloomington. Uh, Tonka is lining up for uh, Chanhassen. Is that already a set? matchup uh, chan has one yep so any surprises that you're seeing any uh you know you picked some of your um dark horses last time what is it been extremely predictable or are you seeing anything that surprises you in the early results i think it's been gone pretty much the way probably it was mapped out to go um you got Chaska in, or uh, Chanhassen and uh, Tonka playing, which everyone kind of thought. But, you know, you had some other teams there that thought they could press Centennial. He's going to play Maple Grove in Section 5 AA. That should be a good battle there. They came on second half of the year. They were one of my sleeper picks. Um, I think uh, Brian had Rosemount doing some things, and they're going to be in the in the section final here. Or, no, they play STA tonight in the semifinals. So that's a big game, St. Thomas Academy. Um so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, I think it's been fairly predictable so far. There hasn't really been any upsets except Section 8 AA is really where, you know, it's just like somebody put all the names in a hat and just started grabbing them. You know, Moorhead lost. Rozo's lost now. It's a six versus four seed, I think, uh, for the section final. Yeah, Elk River's got a decent team. Uh, I don't know if they're a veteran team or not. You know, Moorhead was young this year. It's difficult when you're young. Um I think tonight there are going to be some really good games. You got Creighton, uh, Eastview, St. Thomas, and, and Rosemount. And Eastview and Rosemount have had some trouble in that section. Um, I think just having having three lines. You've got to have three lines and or you better have a really good goalie. Uh, same in, in girls hockey. Especially you get to the tourney, you got to play three games in a row. So there are going to be two really good games tonight. And uh, I think the challenge there will be St. Thomas and Creighton. Uh, they kind of know how to win. So back to kind of coaching philosophy, you know, what kind of topic that is, that stuff matters. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be tough to beat Maple Grove because they just know how to win these games. They prepare for this kind of style. And I just would hope that we, as this process goes, you don't want teams to change everything they're doing uh, in order just to win a game or two um, to sacrifice, the again, the development of the of the players. So... Uh, Rosemount still playing well. I think they got the two seed. So after I made that prediction, they went lost to somebody. I can't remember who it was, and I, I think I pinged you guys. I'm like, oh, that. but I, I like that team. I think there's a style of play there that uh, they could be sneaky good still. But Eastview got the number one seed, so so watch out. Uh, have you seen Eastview play? I have not seen them play. I have not. 
but they've actually beaten some good teams, you know, and then they've lost some, you know, questionable games. You know, they're kind of hanging that 13 to 20 in the rankings. A um, little surprised they got the top seed, but um, it's just a team I have not seen, but, you know, they're obviously playing good hockey. Hey, can you give us some examples on this coaching style thing? Because I, I think what you're saying is um, coach to win, don't coach to God, I don't even know what you would describe the alternative. It's like um, uh, try to play hockey the right way so that you have a chance to win the game versus do everything in your power to sabotage the other team so that they lose. Those are very different things. What are some things you notice when you're watching when you go, oh, this coach, it's just all about structure. Is it just dumping the puck constantly or – what are you seeing when you go, oh, this isn't right? Because the truth is you can't do that. You're not going to do that five games in a row or six games in a row. You, you just – if you got to play all these Titans, you're not going to be able to hold your breath through sections and the state tournament and somehow win it. It's impossible. So what do you what do you want to see less of and what do you want to see more of as it comes to coaching style? I think one thing I don't like is just putting – five kids in a box and just watching the puck go around the perimeter and, and trying to get it through, you know, four sets of shin pads to get it to the goalie. That's just not good hockey. I understand why coaches do it. Um, You're talking in the D zone, just, D, just D zone coverage, just covering the, yeah. like playing like you're on a penalty kill the whole game. Yeah, right. But D zone coverage is important. I mean, you got to keep the puck out of the net. It's just as important as putting the puck in the net. So um, it's not a great style to watch. Remember when the NHL kind of went into that trap system? It's like, yeah. man, we're going to watch the, you know, another NHL game is going to be two to one, you know, 18 shots on goal to 16. You know, it's just what the, the product wasn't great. Um, <clears throat> but I do understand why coaches do it. I don't think you can set up any kind of rule to make them not do it. But I think when you get to this point in the year, they will do whatever it takes to win. Now, it's maybe not so much playing your game. It's it's maybe defending their game, you know, and making that part of your game. So you, I think you got to be flexible as a coach at this time of year and say, okay, if we shut down their top line, we take this away from them, it's going to be tough to beat us, you know, and that's just good coaching, I think. Is it always improve the product on the ice, and is it always the best for development, you know, skill-wise? Probably not. Um, but at this point in the year, you uh, do whatever it takes to win. I like that. Playing your game versus defending theirs. I think that's a really clean way to explain maybe some of the frustration. Well, how are the uh, our Galacticos doing? What what are we seeing in uh, box scores from the super team from Minnetonka? Have they blinked? Um, I mean, are they actually even scared of Chanhassen? Probably not. Like, what? where are we at with the super team? Well, Chan took them to... OT, I want to say, earlier in the year. It was a one-goal game. They were beating them 2 nothing, and I think they ended up uh, they, they ended up beating them. But, what, yeah. I mean, are these guys just smooth, smooth sailing to St. Paul or what? I think they're playing as good as they have all year. Brian, what do you think? I mean, they're, they're going to be tough. I know we both said we took the field last pod. You know, we took the field against Minnetonka. I don't know now, you know, but who knows? They might lose this week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting the way it's uh, played out this year. I think in terms of rankings, the those two sections had a lot of really good teams. It's, it's no cut on any of the others, but really out of those two sections, uh, Chaskat and Tonka, and then Edina, Wyzetta, and I'd add Benil, they they were that good. Those five teams were were really good, deep, strong. They should end up getting the first two seeds, so they'll meet in the championship game. We won't see a, a, that kind of game till to the end. So the, someone else is going to have to sneak in there. I thought Shakopee maybe could be the real deal too. Uh, Chan took him down. I didn't watch the game to know. I think it ended up 4-1 four or 4-2. Four it might have been an closer. empty netter. Was, so yeah. I think they're – but Chan knows how to how to beat these guys. So the, the question is going to be bounces. Uh, again, when you start playing this way in the end, uh, you really need some good bounces. Um you know, and John, you asked about style of play. I, I've just seen too many teams, you know, off the glass and out, dump it in. You know, they're just taking chances, and there'll be a little bit of that with these top teams, but seeing too many it at the at the lower levels, and a lot again, that's that's coaching style because you're so worried. The game is really hard. It's really fast. 
these guys are really big. So when you take chances, you're going to make mistakes. You can't do that stuff against Minnetonka. If we can shrink it in now to these really good teams we're going to have at the end, uh, you're going to see a little bit of that style of play, except from Tonka. I think they're just going to want to keep going. And, uh, John, remember that game? I mean, these guys were they were riverboat gamblers, all of them, throwing you know, cross ice, you know, three-line passes they, they were throwing. So I, I think they're going to keep – I think they're going to keep at it. When's the last time we had, so we got, is it four Mr. Hockey finalists from Tonka or three? We got three, I think. Yeah, we. I mean, that's Burroughs, Hagen, Burroughs. How would you like to be a defenseman and your name is John Stout? <laughs> I mean, I think at some point they're like, should he be a forward or a D? Stout, let's go D. And then you got, obviously, the other stud, Javon Moore. So three Mr. Hockey finalists on one team. Now, you know how this works. Well, that split the vote. You got three Tonka kids on one team. Does that mean uh, Jackson never slides through here as or somebody else? Uh, Carson Pilgrim, another outstanding name uh, from the tournament. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they facilitate that award and who votes, if it's a, a bunch of people who vote or a small group that decides. I do know they got a tough decision to make because there's 10 really good hockey players there. There's probably 10 more that could have made that list. And there's really no kid that, you know, is just like, you know, top 10 first-round draft pick, you know, that's just above and beyond a Mr. Hockey. And that, I guess, shows the amount of skilled hockey players we have in the state. So that's a good thing. Um, gosh, if I had to vote, I don't even know which kid I'd, I'd choose, you know. It's t- it's it's really close. It's going to be close, I think. And I wonder how much you you go back to Mr. Hockey throughout the years. Is it a truly a MVP of your team? You know, oftentimes there's that debate: who's the best hockey player? I think and it's meant to, I, as I remember it and think about it. It's the best high school player in the state. It's more like the Heisman Award, right? The Heisman of high school hockey. Um, it's the the icon. I mean, if you get it right, you would want to look 10 years later and say, oh, all those guys ended up doing big things. A bit like the Heisman, right, where you kind of look back and go, oh, Barry Sanders and, you know, all these guys. But I think, I, I don't think it's about uh, MVP or, you know, the even so Nolan Road goes on a run and White Bear goes to state. I don't, I don't think for this award – that that flips it necessarily. This is more like who is the biggest stud high school player of that season. Yeah. And I think looking back, and I was at the X this weekend and looking that, you know, they have former Mr. Hockey's on the wall. And I didn't see the other names from that year, you know, but, you know, oh, yeah, he played in the NHL. He played in the NHL. He did this. He did that. Um, and then some some kids, you know, didn't really do much after winning Mr. Hockey. And but you, then you wonder, well, who finished second that year, third or fourth? Did they play in the NHL? I didn't have that list in front of me, so I couldn't really correlate. But I do know I look back, and I think only two Mr. Hockeys have went on to win the Hobie. Is that right, Brian? I know you're one of them. Yeah, um, Marty Sertich. And Sertich. Was, was the other. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you, th- you think about that, best high school hockey player in Minnesota, only two have gone on to be named the best college hockey player in the country. Um, you yeah. know, and but then again, you have guys who won Mr. Hockey who have gone on and had great NHL careers. Well, look at what Brock Nelson's doing. He wasn't Mr. Hockey. He's having, putting together a great NHL career. You know, Besser. You know, some of these guys that are are doing their thing. Um, so yeah, but I, I agree. The best high school hockey player is it a career award? Is it a season award? You know, it's it, it probably can't be a career award now because these kids are moving around so much. You have know? you seen most of these guys this year? I haven't. Uh, not enough to, to who, make who, a, a ruling who's the best? on. You've seen a lot of the top teams. Who's If you had to say, if it's the Heisman of high school hockey, based on what you've seen this year, who who jumps off the page for you? Yeah, I'd have to go with Tonka. It's just so fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, it's you can probably hear it in, in everything I'm saying, You know, just style of play, and we're talking about who's the best high school hockey player. It's like, we'll open it up and let's play hockey, score goals, and, and make great plays. Because it's just noticeable, and I, I think that night we were both laughing on, you know, who, who do you notice, John? And you and I kept just, you know, number 21, and, you know, number 6, and then number 8. You know, it just that was so fun. 
Um, they look like they were having fun out there. It'll be interesting to see, again, if they do a point system or something else, how you rank that. Because whenever you throw a D in here, uh, it's, it's, it's challenging to rank defensemen. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd have to watch a little bit more. So I, I got to be a little bit careful there because that stout was a very nice player. Um, my guess is if he's up for it, he's doing some special things. And, and on D, it just it can be more of a challenge, especially on a really good team like that because they got to share the wealth. You know, so to, to have a, a leading goal scorer only with 26 goals, let's say, uh, or 30 goals instead of 50, that doesn't tell you the whole story, you know, either. Yeah, and I think, if, you know, if they bring scouts into the mix as far as their voting, I don't know if they do. You know, they're probably looking less at numbers and more at, you know, skill, size, you know, things like that. Javon Moore is probably looks pretty good to a lot of NHL scouts. You know, he's big, he's can, he can skate, he's got hands. Um, you know, he plays angles well. Uh, you know, he would be, he's the one who probably stood out the most to me. Burroughs, too, I haven't seen them all. So I can't really, you know, I haven't seen, uh, you know, Pilgrim's very good player. Um, the White Bear Kid Rhodes, very, very good. You know, Camp is excellent hockey player. Um, I like the intangibles sometimes. You're talking about Mrs. Hockey and, uh, you know. And would you say she had 52 goals or maybe it was even Six, more than that? 61 goals and 50 assists, 111 Something. points, you know. Yeah. You know, you still got to get the puck in the net 61 times. I love that style of play. You, you can teach most players to play defense at some point, but getting the puck in the net 61 times or more than 50 times is impressive. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, as the games go, too, pretty easy to, to you know, hey, who are we covering tonight? Playing War Road. Well, watch that Pilgrim guy. You know, you're paying attention. So it starts to become harder and harder as a good player as the season goes. So well, it does. When we played, when I and played, I like against, that name, John. Yeah. That's I, a good I, name. <laughs> I swear to God, these hockey parents—they must—they're they're, they're just they? making folk heroes. So you, you got a Carson Pilgrim, even Nolan Road. Nolan Road could be a wrestler <laughs> in the WWE, right? I mean, these these names are just—they're unbelievable. Uh, John Stout. Well, it was a good game, but we had trouble getting around John Stout, honey, and we lost. I mean, it's oh. like a Louis L'Amour book at a Walgreens. I, I just yeah, why that has got a kid Hawk Huff. Okay. <laughs> yes, please, yeah. please give me some Hawk Huff. <laughs> hey, uh, do you want to talk about the Expo quick? Because it's almost that time of year, state tournament coming up in about ten days. Here, tell them what they want to do for the Expo. I'll hit a couple sponsors, and we'll finish up episode three. Yeah, um, head on down to the Expo, March 8th and 9th. Uh, state tournament's going on. It's just a big end-of-the-year celebration for, you know, not just the high school season, but, you know, youth hockey, and it's kind of the end of the season, a great way to celebrate. I say it's a lunch bucket item for people. If you haven't been to the Expo, get down there. If you've been there before, you know what it's all about. It's a lot of fun. Come down, you walk out with some free stuff. You see the latest and greatest in equipment. You know, we'll have some social media influencer guys down there that uh, – that are fun. All these kids are, in, you know, infatuated with. Um, so, yeah, March 8th and 9th, uh, Friday, Saturday of the state tournament weekend. Come on down. It's free for kids, 5 bucks for if you're 19 or older. And uh, it's just it's a good time. All right, a couple more sponsor reads. So this is the time of year. I don't know if you know it. Super Bowl-ish. If you're going to buy or sell a house, now's the time with the seasons, especially when it's 61 degrees in February, to start getting your act together. You can start with the Yoakum Real Estate Group. Sarah and, Sarah and Jody, two five-foot-tall identical twin sisters who can somehow move an entire home of heavy furniture all by themselves. You work with these guys, you'll understand the meaning of small but mighty. Let's be honest, we all wish we could clone ourselves. You basically have it with these two. One of them's got a legal background, the other one's more on the creative side. They are living proof that two heads are better than one. And they always know what the other one is doing and they're always working for you. Your home is your biggest asset. Think twice. Call the twins at Yoakum Real Estate. Visit yoakumrealestategroup.com for more info. And then after you get your house sorted and when you want to do the mortgage, you call another hockey guy, Sheldon Frank. If you live in Minnesota or Wisconsin, Summit Mortgage and Sheldon Frank, NMLS 213346. We'll give you the clout and confidence you need with a guaranteed offer. He's got a seller's choice program. They'll come in. They're basically making you the buyer's version of Bulletproof. Because Summit will guarantee that the loan will close according to the terms of the letter, or Summit will either purchase the home themselves or pay the seller $10,000 
in cold, hard cash. I guess that's why they're called Summit, because an offer like this goes straight to the top of the stack. Call Sheldon Frank today, 612-232-1872, to start the pre-approval process. Summit Mortgage Corp. NMLS 1041 is an equal housing opportunity lender. Wow, that was a lot of words. Very quickly and well done. Uh, everyone has different skills. So you wanted to talk about REFs. You just wrote REFs in all caps on my uh, my little coach's board here. What does that mean? Well, I we were talking about the wild as we as we walked in today and how great this power play is right now and the, the skill set of these players. And, Brian, you alluded to past history of cleaning up the game a bit in the NHL, and I think we're, we're seeing that. That pay dividends. You can't mess around with a guy's hands anymore in the NHL. Yeah, no slashing like no you used slashing, to. no hooking anymore. And you got to know how to play hockey. You got to be able to skate well, angle well, uh, sticks on on pucks instead of you know one hand slashes and a bunch of the other nonsense that I'm seeing in high school. Plain and simple, the refs going to have to clean this thing up. Uh, and if they don't, then we're not going to be able to continue to produce like additional high end talent. Uh, kids are getting lazy. The refs are really lazy. Uh, the game's probably too fast for them. Sorry, guys. Uh, but someone's got to <laughs> someone's got to tell them what's going on. Uh, I'm tired of seeing this this happen, where where kids are getting away with this. So sneak peek to next time round here. Uh, learn how to play hockey. Uh, learn how to play it the right way. Uh, you're going to have to learn how to play it the right way if you want to continue, because that doesn't really happen in college hockey anymore. Uh, either you get penalized for this. It's 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 raising the, the the skill level, and uh, my my guess is it's the old let them play, but it's time now. Those are the those are the plays that allow people to cheat too much, and you just got to take it away. It's it's no big deal, um, but we need the refs to do it because coaches are never going to tell the kids to do it. The kids are never going to listen to the coaches. I just think it's paid huge dividends in the NHL, and it will and probably has in in college, and I think we can do it in high school. It, How on earth is that going to happen though? So. If you think of the 0405 um, the lockout, right, and they changed the rules on obstruction, we went from Darian Hatcher, 75-year NHL patch on your sweater, you know, cross-check. Size 17 skates. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to there's now, now we're in the Trevor Zegers lacrosse goal every game kind of era. Um, how can we make the refs that much better? It just doesn't feel like, like with the NHL – or the NCAA. I mean, these are the the best of the best. And I mean, is it is it like a the, the, with those guys? There's like a curriculum. So it would be like, okay, this year, this is what we're cracking down on. Yep. And and there's an adjustment. So especially the first couple months of the season, you really feel the changes. Is it that organized at the high school level with uh, or at USA Hockey level with refs where you could really be like? Hey, you know, 24-25, here's the focus from a ref standpoint. We're taking this out of the game. Is it organized that way? I just don't know. I always think of refs in high school being like some guy you know and, you know. Just loves the game. And yeah. Like well, he, I think we're lucky with in hockey right now with the referees. They still are interested in the game. Uh, we got to keep respecting them. And, you know, without the refs, we got no game. Uh, if you've ever coached, it doesn't work when coaches are on the ice. You need the the third party to help the game along. We just did this. Checking from behind or boarding. You know, became a 2-5-10, 5-10 game. Uh, you know, that came in in the last, what is it? I mean, I could be way off on this, but I thought it was the last two to five years. Where near the boards, if they you know, don't like the call, you're, you're gone. And we used to be really pretty lax on that too. So I, I don't think it would take much. I, I really don't. It's a, it's a pretty obvious penalty. Uh, if you just pay attention to it, I got to tell you, my take on this is it wasn't a penalty when I was a kid. Some of the effectiveness that you learn as a player uh, can, you know, the, the the bad guys are always a little bit ahead of the police, aren't they? Um, you know, I, I learned really early on in my pro career when a guy's got the puck and you're chasing him and you put your stick around his elbow and you give him a tug, it looks like a tug and they call you for hooking. So when a guy's going in the corner, Instead of tugging him, you just put your stick right behind his elbow and you push it. And he misses the puck, and you got to look down, and you've checked him against the board, so you take the puck, and the referee can't see it. Yeah. So, yeah. refs, there's your first, there's your first uh, helper right there. 
Watch what? what they're doing because it's cheating. That's cheating. And have you seen a regression? Do you think there's more obstruction and uh, this? Is your point that at the NHL level and even college, it's easier to be a highly creative player than it is in high school in Minnesota? I think it is. Okay, so yep. you're just seeing a lot of the old stuff is still there. Yeah, and, and when you think about, you know, we started this off with the, the parity and moving to three levels because when you're playing against a team that's really good, you get angry and you start cheating. And then the refs feel bad because they already gave you five penalties. So pretty soon it just gets out of hand. It gets out of hand in multiple different ways, you know, and then you're telling Tonka to, like, take it easy so it's not 10 to nothing because it just makes everybody more mad along the way. Uh, these are relatively new phenomenons, I, I think, where the games are starting to get and go this way. Kids have worked really hard all the way up. Uh, I mean, come on, how you how you not supposed to be angry uh, after somebody's got the puck in the zone the whole time and pretty soon the pretty effective way of taking out your anger on somebody. So it's just kind of going that direction too. So I think we can solve several of these things with just a couple tweaks. Any final comments from you, Zolman, stuff we didn't talk about that you had on your sheet? No, I don't think so. I think uh, I think we got it covered. Well, I enjoy this. I feel like we're having uh, some conversations that might take a, a little bit of time to manifest. But if you care about the game, um, even if you disagree with some of the ideas, the most important thing is to constantly be working on the game and doing some things to make it better and protected. And and that's certainly the intent. So. Buckle up. Uh, state tournament will be here before you know it. They'll all be sliding into St. Paul. We'll see who gets through a couple of these gauntlet games. The the Chan-Tonka uh, rivalry with the players moving from town to town. And then uh, certainly Edina and Wyzetta. Maybe we'll get White Bear Lake, Hill Murray. Depends on what Gentry and Stillwater have to say about that but thanks for joining us this is the let's play hockey podcast give us a follow and we'll see you after the tournament it's time now so let's play hockey